0: Welcome to a world of thrills, a world of drama, of capes and tights, a world
1: where death is a revolving dome. Welcome to the Geek Matrix.
2: I don't think I'll ever get tired of hearing that intro, (coughs) son. No coughing. (coughs) Welcome to the (laughs) Geek Matrix. <clears throat> that's a little
1: sick today in the Geek Matrix.
2: Live all the way across the country from you. And I'm I somehow I have the same thing you do. And I don't think that's cool. I don't think that's cool at all. I don't think it's You're cool. Kind I... of a jerk. <laughs> I think you gave I, it, I it to I me when we were playing you, Mario Kart the other day.
1: Okay, I was going to say I sent it to you through Discord, but I don't want people to be afraid of Discord. (laughs) So, no, it's not a digital virus. It's a gaming transmitted virus.
2: There you go. That's what it is. Yeah. Because fuck you and your Mario Kart.
1: (laughs) You hit me with red shells way too many times that day, bud. (laughs) Way too many times that day, bud. (laughs) All right, so we are here having fun this is episode i missed last week so the 187
2: 187
1: i got it dc comics review show number 187 this is rob as always apart from last week it's my wife's birthday cut me some slack i am here as always with josh howdy 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 everybody and it's been a long time but we are more than happy to have him back on here it's nathan welcome back
2: Hello. And no, no, no bow. I mean, really, <laughs> you did
1: that all for me. Nathan has graciously decided to to fill in for Brandon this week, and we're more than happy. We've been trying to get you on for like the past month. I think
3: <laughs> it's, it's been a series of not timelines not aligning. Uh, I was supposed to come on last week to do the solo with Josh, but. uh unfortunately my flight i forgot i had a flight booked which i haven't i haven't flown out in like a couple months and so it was like oh i just happened to have actually booked the flight like a couple of weeks before during the exact time guys was and i just forgot so oh. uh so it yeah, hasn't quite aligned, but I'm very excited to be here. Um, I
2: think it let me set a record for the quickest uh, Geek Matrix show in history. <laughs> it would have been <laughs>
3: it would have been three times as long if I had <laughs> shown up. Let me tell you that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: I also would have been
1: really cool to have like a mile high podcast. Yeah
3: for just, for those who don't know me, for those who don't know me, um, I used to I don't do a lot of it right now, but I used to write for the reading orders for the comic book Herald. Um, and come from the DC Universe Infinite era, or like on back when they had the forums were really prevalent. Um, And I come from a lot of that area. And then mostly these days, I'm just on Twitter, chilling around. And I'm friends with Brandon uh, in real life. So it's uh, very nice to be here um, and get to talk about comics. I don't get to do it as much as I used to.
2: So what he's saying is he got here through nepotism.
3: (laughs) No, I put in my own good work.
2: I made uh, money
3: writing about comics before I came on here. So,
1: uh, now you're rubbing it in our face. We can't make money through comics. <laughs> <laughs> oh
3: Look, I never said it paid well. I'm just saying, nah, that yeah, occasionally there's like a couple dollars thrown in. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't even call it a part time job. It's not right. that much money. <laughs> yeah. Um, but thank you all for inviting this. me on. I'm very excited to talk about comics. It's a bit of a quieter week, but I think there's some really yeah. fun stuff to dive into. So
1: I mean, quieter weeks just mean there's more discussion to be had, and yeah. we'll try. We'll try to stay on topic. I'm, 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 I'm sure. I don't know if you you've caught up to all the episodes. I know you, I, unless I have you been listening to every episode or was it
3: uh, once a blue moon, uh, like okay. once a month or so. Like I, don't... Yeah. it's not something I have a I, like. I don't With three read three hour enough.
2: long episodes, man. <laughs> yes, exactly. Right. And then, yeah.
3: And then that, I also only so, have but so much time a week to read everything. Yeah. So I tend to, so I like don't always get to everything. And if I don't get to everything, then I typically don't listen to the podcast version of every for everything. Yeah. Um, and then there's a couple of podcasts I go to first that are for non dc stuff. So it's just, it's about like, it's about what I can get to. But I do always enjoy listening when I pop in. So Very that's nice. always fun. Fair I enough. think that's well, the easiest
2: way for me to digest Marvel stuff is uh, listen to it. Listen to a bunch yeah. podcast.
3: yeah, of podcasts. Yeah, definitely for for those reading. curious, I'm very into DC. And then I also pay attention a lot to the X-Men stuff ever since Krakoa. And I've fallen off hard ever since Krakoa is starting to disappear because I can't get myself to read that because I think I'll I grieve every time I read a Krakoa comic right now. But that yeah. is okay. Um, Coming to an si- end soon. Yeah. That they're being doing, said, doing the
1: hard relaunch, I think, yeah. in
3: June, yeah, the, with the new X Men, yeah, it remains to be seen what they're doing. I hope, I really, really hope that they've taken some feedback and that like some element of Krakoa will still be there because I'm yeah. really not ready to let that go. Hick Jonathan Hickman said at one point there was a 30 year plan, uh, for he had a 30 years of ideas, um, and here we are. <laughs> What seven years in and they're wrapping up the era and it just doesn't feel like they're ready. It feels like there's so much potential still to mine. And yeah. I really hope that this is the end of the first Krakoa age and that there's still something, that there's still more Krakoa stuff to explore. But yeah, I'm not I'm not positive on that. I'm just hopeful. Um crazy, that's okay. Because the good news, DC Comics is killing it every week right now. I'm yeah. always impressed. I know we don't we all agree on all the same books, uh, Wonder Woman. We have disagreements on titans we have disagreements on batman we'd have disagree we have disagreements on but uh but generally i'm really happy with what DC's doing um and it feels a bit like a golden era um and i'm excited to talk about some of the really interesting developments this week from the news of absolute power to mm-hmm. the green arrow which had, was a big surprise in terms of how impactful it was
1: yeah 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 I, i'm excited for green arrow um but that being said, like you, you kind of segued us perfectly. Do you want to fill us in on absolute power? Because you yeah. used to know a lot more about it than Josh and I do right off the bat.
3: Yeah. See, something I forget is that you guys aren't the biggest news junkies when it comes to DC Comics stuff. You guys tend to be a little more on the it, don't spoil anything side. Uh,
2: oh, I'm I Robbed does. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Spoiler
1: heavy. I just, I'd read off the articles, but I don't have it ready.
3: Yeah, so DC had a presentation at Comics Pro, the retailer convention, where they announced their next, their big event for the summer is called Absolute Power, and it's by Mark Wade with artist Dan Mora, um, and will focus on recent plot points that have come from Titans Beast World, Batman, and Action Comics, as well as a couple of others. And we'll see Amanda Waller finally make good on her threat to rid the world of metahumans. This is by the way coming from IGN. I'm going from IGN. Uh, with help from failsafe and the Brainiac Queen, Waller will steal the flowers of powers of every metahuman on Earth. It'll fall on Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman to rally their heroes against this existential threat. Readers will get an early taste in uh, free comic book days, the free comic book day issue, which will be a twelve-page story. And then there will be also be a standalone special called Absolute Power Ground Zero, which will bridge the gap between Action Comics and the main Absolute Power series. Absolute Power will come out on July 2nd. And Mark Wade will be writing all of the books in this series, uh, which is wild. I think there's 25 yeah. issues. So there's the main series, lot, which will man. be Absolute Power number one through four by Mark Wade. Then there will be uh, three Batman tie-ins, three Superman tie-ins, three Wonder Woman tie-ins, three... Uh, and then there's seven issues of a series book called Task Force 7, um, which presumably will focus on Amanda Waller's sort of Dark Justice League of sorts. And then there's also a three-issue mini called Absolute Power Origins. And Mark Wade is writing all of it. So I guess I have a couple questions to start with to get your thoughts. Uh, first of all, what do you think of Mark Wade being the choice of this event? And the I- fact that he's writing everything.
1: I am all for it. Uh, sorry, I just want to fact... Uh, not fact trip, but double check, but double-check something. Task Force 7 sounds very familiar.
3: Ta- I mean, there's been, ta- there's been all sorts of Task Force. There's Task Force X, Task Force 11, which was Psy, which was the psy psionic team. I assume it's just this Task Force 7, because there's, like, seven bad characters. So what we have probably Sergeant Steel, uh, Failsafe, and Brainiac Queen. And then I don't know who the other four would be. Uh, but prob- probably one from each of the different like heroes, like bad guys right now. So, presumably, for the stillness, for Flash, it'd be something like uh, the Gorilla Grodd. Yeah. Um, and something along those lines.
1: Uh, I, I'm confusing it with Team 7 from the Flashpoint universe. Ah. Yeah.
3: So, but what do you think of Mark Wade writing all 25 issues? Does that excite you? Make you but, nervous? Like, when, when you
1: initially said it, I was like, holy f- rock 20 25 issues like how is he gonna like but then you broke it down it's it's like mini series okay actually that makes a bit more sense Mm -hmm. because i'll I'll always like reference blackest night uh jeff johns wrote a good chunk of the issues and tie-ins throughout that as well it wasn't that bad so i'll I'll give him benefit of the doubt if if he's got the work cut out it's bridging all these plots in different books the fact that failsafe alone is going to be involved and Zdarsky's been working on that for, like, months now. Uh, that's that's going to be interesting to see how he handles that. Um, <clears throat> you figure I mean, at some point, Failsafe will leave the Batman book. Um, imagine, yeah. like, I figured at some point it was going to happen. Zdarsky would have to move on at some point, so...
3: Well, we know Darski is moving on to the three jokers as the main or the new version of the three jokers that's been yeah. on recently. Um and we know that he's doing that with the uh, fifth with issue fifty or whatever. Um, so that's coming that's coming up. So that's like his big I think it's one one fifty. Um, yeah. so we'll see what he does with that as sort of his next focal point. But in terms of failsafe, I find it interesting that Zadarski's letting I assume the failsafe plot thread will end here. And then yeah. D'Arcy gets to do it. But I like these, this approach. Obviously, we haven't seen the Brainiac Queen yet. We know that she's coming in yeah. a House of Brainiac, right? And so I, I'm really excited this idea. Like, we're bringing in these plot threads from different books. And I feel like it's a big testament to the amount of connectivity that this era of DC has had. That mm-hmm. I feel like there's been a really solid through line that's felt, like, earned. Whereas I think in Infinite Frontier, it felt very canned and forced, I feel like this has been very like natural, and we're getting to the climax, and you feel us reaching the climax. Yeah. We have the pages of Wonder Woman, where like the one where the Amazons have lost a lot of favor, the pages of Titans, Beast World, where now the Titans have basically lost all of their goodwill, or a lot of it at least, and God, this so like good. fall of the superheroes <laughs> as we head into this now, Amanda Waller making her move. Like, I'm really excited to see where this goes. And I think Mm -hmm. these plot points all feel like they've been building together, which I feel like is DC rarely does successfully.
2: Yeah, for sure. I'm going to say that another member that's going to be on that uh, Task Force 7 is going to be Dark Raven. Yes, yes. I think That's... that's a good one.
3: Yeah. Although, do you think Dark Raven is working for Trigon or working for Waller?
2: I think she's think... in it for herself.
3: That. Yeah. Because
2: yeah. we've we've just seen that development where she's, oh, I can't remember what the hell it's called right now, but yeah. he says that her actual potential is to become that big, huge mm-hmm. that big, huge-ass monster that dwarfed him in, in the Underworld. I don't yeah. know if you guys remember that from the last yeah. season. Turn, track, turn into
1: Venomiotis Mon and shout out all my guys. <laughs> I understand what that is.
2: I mean, I get the gist (laughs) Uh, um, as far as Mark Wade writing all of it. I think Mm -hmm. it's I think it's an immense undertaking for any writer to to take on. An event of that scale. Yeah, do it all by themselves. And I'll have mad respect for that period. Um, That said, I've I've always been a Mark Wade fan. a really big one up until he started with world's finest. And I just, I've never been able to, to get in line with it. So I hope that he's going to be writing something I can't get into. Let me just put it that way.
3: Yeah. I think there's a couple interesting things with Mark Wade's journey at DC. Obviously he has a lot of unique history with DC and that he was like the Dio and him did not get along at all and so for the longest time he was basically shunned from DC like DC refused to hire him because the DO didn't like him but mark wade loves DC with a burning passion it's like very close to his heart right and superman birthright is one of is is like one of the best comics i think for superman ever made and mark wade was never allowed to write like a superman ongoing you know and now he comes to DC and he has like this idea to bring back sort of classic superman with the superman batman story and really uses that setup to set up sort of the beginning of this era of DC with Lazarus Planet, right? The Demon Neza and all of that foundational work. And I think it's really interesting that he started, sort of kicked off this era with Lazarus Planet and now he gets to end it with absolute power. And I think, in terms of other things that he's done, obviously you've got Shazam, but I think people don't talk about it a lot. But Tom Taylor talked a lot about how he owes a lot of Beast Worlds quality. To Mark Wade who really talked him through sort of the event and how to make it special. And, and I think Mark Wade understands DC and event writing on a very strong level that I'm really hopeful he gets to fully take advantage of. And I think a lot of the best events are ones where tie-ins work together really well and there's a lot of connectivity. And I think Mark yes. Wade writing all 25 yes. issues will have an incredible connectivity and I think could be a really good cap. But I think it also begs the question, if Mark Graves writing these 25 issues, what comes after? Mm.
1: <clears throat> Excuse me. Like, is this the big culmination of the story? I
3: mean, um, I, yeah. Like, this is the Waller story that was teased at the beginning of Dark Crisis, right? Yeah. Where she goes to, where she enters this room of, it's very, uh, very... what's What's the... What are the characters from Young Justice with the white room?
1: Oh, yeah. I don't remember their name, but we I haven't really gotten into that yet. So hopefully that gets teased a bit more in Absolute Power or even revealed as to what the hell that is. There's four characters that showed up with her during that final page as well. And you saw Peacemaker and Peace Record, which we've seen numerous times over the past few months across various books. But there was, oh no, there was, it was Dr. Hate, I think was one of them. And that's been resolved now. But then there was also that um, kind of opposite fusion that Batman, Superman, and a Green Lantern ring had in World's Finest in the oh, first that's
3: arc. right.
1: And we had that opposite one that was very Lex Luthor, Sinestro Core and Joker
3: inspired. Yeah, so that, so definitely this like hybrid Batman definitely is part of this event. It's one of the... Dark Seven, probably. Yeah, and you have to imagine, and because guess who this is worth remembering? Guess who created that character? Exactly, Mark oh, Wade. Mark um, Wade. Um, in World's Finest. So yeah. I definitely think that'll come up, and that'll be really cool. I'm just really happy with this, um, and I'm really excited to see where Amanda Waller goes with this. But I think in terms of what comes after, like I do think this is the culmination. Of I think Dawn, so. Of,
1: Yeah, it'll be the culmination of the dawn of dc overall at least the first part i think dawn of dc as an initiative might end here but the ongoing story will continue uh because there's still um is the justice league ever going to reform will the titans regain favor and a lot of that might be addressed in absolute power Mm -hmm. but i think they could stretch that a bit further and have a bigger events if you remember when dawn of dc first launched they had that roadmap and then people were able to brighten the image and you could see the the hints return of justice league return yeah. of justice league and that never fucking happened. Uh, yeah. I don't know if that's still gonna be a thing or if they scrapped that plan once Taylor said yeah. I could I could run like the I think race there was a titans. quote recently
3: there was a quote recently that they had extended Dawn of the DC by six months because of how popular the sales had been. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and that they're officially ending the branding Dawn of DC with absolute power. So it's definitely the culmination there. Um yeah. and I, I guess do what that's hope... after it will be interesting. Mm-hmm.
2: I do hope that it's not the end of the Titans being a preeminent team, if not the preeminent team. I don't team. think it's the end. Yeah. I, I really hope not. I think that the
1: Titans should stick around as the the main team. Mm-hmm for a long time, at least a few years and and if they if even if they decide to cancel that title and go back to a justice League, have a lot of those members on the Titans team be on the Justice League. Let's not go back to the core seven and like a few of other heroes that have always been on the team before let's let's branch out let's do the uh shit, was it was a Christopher Robinson wrote that Justice League right before flashpoint. Where you had Dick oh, Bats, yeah. you had Donna Troy, you had Supergirl, you had Kongorilla of all people, but you had all sorts of people that were never on the team before. And you had a pretty cool team, I thought.
3: Yeah. I think what I'm really care I'm really curious about is obviously I think the Titans have reached the end of their honeymoon phase. Like they had the time where they were the big people and it was easy or relatively easy, right? And now that like now they're in some struggle, and how they get out of the hardship will be Mm -hmm. what I think will be really interesting from Absolute Power, but I also think one of the things I've really learned... I'd
2: say Beast World was a little bit of hardship.
3: No, Beast World is the hardship, right? And this is the next next step. Like, the Titans' honeymoon is over. They're no longer just, like, easily like, oh yeah, you're so good. Like, the stakes for them have risen, Yeah, you know? And the way, like, like, they're the representation of the superhero community, and they have to be on their A-game, and they're, like, you know... It's like they've been the president, but now they're past their first hundred days. And all of a sudden, like, the jobs, everyone starts getting more negative and critical. Um, But I think one of the things I think works really well with Dawn of the DC has been that the Justice League being absent has enabled them to use the Justice League only for the biggest stories when they feel natural and not have to create a side big plot for the Justice League to deal with. That you need Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman to deal with. And instead they can come in and come together Mm -hmm. when they're needed and then come, then go do their own things. And I think that feeling has been much more successful than say, having a Scott Snyder's justice league have to be the main story Or have it just be a Bendis, like, does not matter to anything. It's just, it's just here side story.
2: No, don't Um, say that. (laughs) But but you know, when you you have to create
3: threats that the Justice League have to be able to fight every week or every month that have significant stakes, you need all six of them for. Like, it drags, like, it drags the, the, like, stakes of the whole universe down. I'm Men gonna so break Nathan yeah. right
2: here. You know who I would like to see write a six issue, um like deep breakdown of the Trinity and a few other members of the Justice League. I I would love to watch maybe even twelve issues. Point, size barrier do it.
3: I'm fine with size barrier. I'm not anti-size barrier.
2: Well, no, I didn't think you were anti sci Spurrier, but I thought maybe like, you disagree with the Cy Spurrier oh. writing the Justice League.
3: I don't have the strongest opinions on Cy Spurrier. I think he's sort of like his like best niche is like this like psychic sci-fi that he like really yeah. enjoys. Um and I don't know if that like works as well with the Justice League, but I don't I'm not against it. I just I think- don't have an opinion. I don't really have a serious opinion on it.
2: If, I think if if uh, if we were to get Justice League stories, I think in order for them to to be any good, they're going to have to be different. Even if you know, even more than just sporadic cosmic adventures where the Justice League has to be pulled together, I think I think we're going to have to have a different kind of Justice League story in order for anybody to really give a shit. So let me pitch yeah. something here for a Justice League story. Like I I've been
1: periodically reading some old grant morrison justice league run Mm -hmm. Uh and coincidentally around the same time which is very reminiscent of grant morrison's run was the justice league cartoon Mm -hmm. and justice league unlimited yeah yeah and throughout the episodes there and the stories in grant morrison you had a core team you had the seven you had extra members Mm -hmm. later on but in each story arc you weren't guaranteed the whole team sometimes yeah. you would just have three or four members and I think that's fine like that's this is what made me think of this when Nathan said like how do you pull all six or seven people every month for a new adventure and come up with thread that everybody has to get there you don't have to have everybody you just have to have even some of the team and then every so often you'll have a thread big enough for the whole team to be there but
2: for right. sometimes a you bucks, need two just- people sometimes you need yeah. 20.
1: Yeah, like that that's that's all it could necessarily be. Right. And I think that's how you have a long-standing Justice League book that can remain fresh. You can that's create a threats good idea. where you don't need to have seven people going, you can get away with three.
3: But I think I think part of the problem is you said it right there, create threats. Yeah. Like one of the problems with Justice League is it you it like forces you to have high-stakes situations mm-hmm. and like constantly? Because otherwise, why are you bring multiple superheroes together? Well, it and doesn't it has have to be... be high stakes.
1: It doesn't. Sorry, sure. to interrupt no, you. it, it, it doesn't, doesn't have to have be. be.
3: Yeah, yeah. but it, but like in order to have like an actual like story like plot thread throughout <laughs> the issues, like yeah. you need some sort of stakes you have to build. And I think one of the problems is when you're creating those threats for the Justice League book, you yeah. then like the, then the threats of other books, say the Batman book, the Superman book, the Wonder Woman book. Those sides, those stories then mm-hmm. often feel either less important or feel like the main story. And it's really hard to balance like the Justice League connecting all these like threads together. Yeah. Right. And I whereas if you don't have a Justice League book, all these threads can exist and feel like the main story. And then you do an event where you can bring threads together where that's the yeah. focus, um, which I think is what Absolute Power is doing. Right. It's saying, hey, we have all these threads. We're ready for the big story that moves the ne- that moves the macro narrative forward. Mm-hmm. Let's bring in Failsafe. Let's bring in Sergeant Steele and Amanda. Let's bring in Amanda Waller stuff from Green Arrow. Let's bring in all the stuff we've been building up with Suicide Squad Dream Team. Let's bring in uh let's bring in the Brainiac Queen that's coming in. And let's bring in the field, let bring in uh world's finest uh high amalgam character. Right, and let's and all these pieces will come together, and all of a sudden, if you're reading Superman, if you're reading Batman, if you're reading Wonder Woman, those like characters and stakes are there, and those stories that you've been reading are continuing in this moment. That I think is where I think superhero comics have the most ability to shine. Yeah. And I think when you have a Justice League book, you have to find ways to have that every week. And mm-hmm. I think most writers say, "I'm just not going to do that. I'm just going to do my own thing." That's why Bendis says. I'm going to just tell a story with Naomi's world. Yeah. You yeah. know, and because it's hard to connect all these things together. And I think it's way easier to just hold off on bringing these characters together until it really matters. And you really mm-hmm. want to connect everything. And I really like this approach and the Titans are a great team to exist on their own solo title because they can have plot threads that are the Titans and not feel like they need to also have Superman's plot threads and Blackman's plot threads all intertwined. I, yes. Right. They can be the center of the universe and have like outreach, but not feel like they need to pull in everything and connect to everything.
1: Yeah, and it helps that there's only, if I remember right, only two members that even have an ongoing book.
3: Well, yeah, Wally yeah. and Nightwing, and, that, and then Cyborg had the one had the sixth issue.
1: Yeah, but that that's already done, and yeah, that exactly. that always to me felt like it could have taken place at any time period.
3: Yeah, it definitely was. Yeah, but. I think that's where the Titans, why the Titans are the better center of the universe. And I do like some Justice League runs. I'm not like anti Justice League. Yeah. But I think I it's really that. hard to pull off. And it requires a lot of coordination that this era of a lot of freelancing doesn't really enable. Like writers only have but so much time to try to coordinate with each other. Yeah. You know? And so it's just harder to do.
1: Yeah. Like I'll, I'll give dawn of dc this it it definitely has a a feeling of connectivity especially with absolute power coming up that i think was sorely lacking in infinite frontier yeah um because you had all these these books doing their own thing and none of it really amounted to anything
3: dark crisis kind of had some stuff but like it felt very like shallow in what it was pulling in
1: yeah like you had you had almost pockets here and there. You had Green Lantern doing its own thing. You had Shazam intertwining with Titans. And then you had Flash, which was intertwining with Titans, but also by itself, which was fantastic. But then yeah. it was intertwining with the stuff with Titans Academy and Suicide Squad and Earth 3. And there that were, was doing its own part, thing. Yeah. And and everybody would just kind of spread so thin.
3: Yeah, there were clusters. Plot.
1: Yeah. It, it was but there wasn't really anything weird. together.
3: Yeah. yeah, Dark Crisis tried to bring in all the clusters, but none of it. A lot of it didn't make sense. Yeah. And then Williamson work. wanted to do his own thing, which with uh, the infinite worlds, and it was just it just did not work. Um, yeah. But I think Hello. part of why I'm so excited for Wade is because I actually trust Wade to write the Justice League and to write the story. Yeah. Whereas someone like Williamson has been consistently bad at team Everything.
2: books. Everything.
3: Not not everything. Not everything. <laughs> yeah. Superman's good. Green, Lan- Green
2: Arrow's been good. Batman <laughs> Robin's
3: been good. But uh, but team books, he should stay away from. And I, I mean that, like he said himself, he's bad at writing team books. Yeah. So I don't have any sympathy for him when he writes team books and then people criticize him.
2: <laughs> you should know better.
3: Yes. He said the reason why I left Justice League Odyssey was because I can't come bad at writing team books. <laughs> Like, he and said
2: that in an interview.
3: Event. Yeah. But, anyway, uh, I'm excited for what's coming up. Yeah. Um, and then, in terms of other DC news, Elseworlds has their lot, has their uh, schedule for when they're all coming out, which is cool. Uh, we have Gotham by Gaslight, The Kryptonian Age, which is the sequel to Gotham by Gaslight, coming out in June. Uh, Dark Knights of Steel All Winter, which is the sequel to Dark Knights of Steel, which is not written by Tom Taylor, but Jay Kristoff is coming in July. DC vs. Vampire's Mm -hmm. World War V is coming back with Matthew Rosenberg in August. And then Batman the Barbarian will be in September. Green Lantern Dark will be in October. And Batman Nightfire will be uh, in November. Mm -hmm. So, do you guys have any thoughts on uh, the return of Elseworlds?
2: I'm Um, happy.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I think it's about time that they just, like, cut the, the middle and just... Okay, we're we're doing Else Worlds again. Like there was yeah, no yeah. need to stop doing that, and everybody mm-hmm. kept calling it Else Worlds anyway.
2: Yes.
3: Yeah. They've
2: exactly. been doing Everything.
1: these
3: alternate universe stuff, right? Yeah. So just like call it for what it is and like exactly like, celebrate why you and like stop make it a big deal. It that.
1: Yeah. It didn't make sense to- it, it became such a a generic term in comic books, at least heavily with DC, that if it's an alternate universe, it's an Elseworlds story. You don't have to call it that, but that's what we're going to call it. May yeah. as well just
3: follow it, like just
1: go weird. with it.
2: Exactly.
3: Are there any of these that you're particularly excited for?
2: I, I'm down for more DC versus vampires. I'll admit. Yeah, I mean, I gobble up pretty much everything Rosenberg spits out. Yeah, and, like I, I wasn't sold I, on half, like but I was into it. Oh, I was. I know <laughs> Yeah,
3: I'm really excited for the return of Dark Knights of Steel. I think it's such a fun universe, um, and is. I'm really excited mm-hmm. to see what some other artists could do with it. Uh, All Winter, if I recall, is a Vandal Savage related thing, which I think is one of the more interesting characters that could exist in this time period. Mm-hmm. Because unlike many of these characters, like Vandal Savage, was around theoretically when this world would have been. Like he would have already been on Earth. Yeah, yeah, what so kind he's of character is going to be? Yeah,
2: yeah, really. Because I mean, in Dark Knights of Steel, you there's no telling. <laughs> I
1: I want to say he's going to be like a Genghis Khan type person, just leading a massive barbaric army to just.
3: Oh, here we go. I was wrong. It's Deathstroke is the focus. Oh, so the the first issues that the solicit is the snow falls thick. Blood runs black, and color itself is only a distant memory. The legendary assassin Deathstroke stalks the frozen wasteland, killing for a coin among a nation of ever-warring Jarls. But when our murderer yeah. for hire finds himself cast in the as the, in the role of reluctant guardian, <laughs> will he fight to end the icy curse, destroying his land, or be consumed by the sins of his own dark past? I so suppose- it's a Deathstroke book. Apparently.
1: In in that world, it's not even going well, to include like
3: Viking death House
1: of L, or anything.
3: Well, we'll I'm, see. We'll see. I'm interested I'm Viking in Viking Deathrow. Oh, that
1: sounds interesting. That oh, yeah. that ex- makes more sense as to why it's not like a Tom Taylor story. It's just somebody saw this word. And I'm like, I could play with this. Like, okay, I'm down for that.
3: I could have sworn that Tom Taylor also was working on a sequel, but
1: I thought I'm, so too.
3: But I don't. I can't find anything in my brief yeah. search for it.
1: I think he he's just hasn't announced anything. He's he has teased that he is working on something else soon. Um, but he hasn't yes. said what it is yet. Yeah. Well,
3: I assume after that we'll have like the next wave of like stories after absolute power. Yeah. Right? And I assume he's writing some one of those at least. But there's also some Rumors in the midst from like Bleeding Cool about a potential ultimate DC universe.
1: Yeah, I was just gonna say that we haven't had anything from that yet.
3: There's a rumored Scott Snyder book coming that may or may not be called uh, a Metal Force.
2: Metal Force? DC okay.
3: Metal Force.
1: Oh boy. <laughs> I enjoyed metal, I enjoyed death metal, but what in the sweet hell? is metal Just force. Metal force.
3: <laughs> so there's some there's some stuff percolating in the background that we'll, yeah. we'll probably see come post uh, absolute power but i'm very excited um mm-hmm. on that note there's yeah.
1: one thing i'll say about I, I forgot to mention about mark wade writing this is is when it comes to shazam and uh, world's finest at al i'll say they've been very almost lighthearted and fun uh but i think this could be a return to his more serious writing yeah. um that we saw the years in crossed. the 90s and 2000s um, i think so yeah I, 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 a story like that i do not see it being very fun and lighthearted like shazam in and, and world's finest event i don't think there's a possible <laughs> way um so we'll see yeah. and that, maybe that means josh will love it
2: I mean, Beast World was tragic. Classic Mark Wade. I'll 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 be lining up to buy it. Yeah, be man. Let me tell you before we jump in. um, If that's not a testament, if anybody out there hasn't read Beast World, if there's a a book that both Nathan and I love, you've got to read it because that shit don't happen.
0: (laughs) That's, That's
2: like finding two moons in the sky, man. (laughs) <laughs> and beast world beast world was where it was at that was so good i was emotionally gripped in that story just to have raven shit all over my feelings
1: yeah
0: <laughs>
1: if if only animal man was in the story more maybe brandon would have read it too right true <laughs> i'm i'm still just like dumbfounded that we didn't have more buddy baker in a title called beast world <laughs> like, it right, is we,
2: <laughs> had, we had one panel of them screaming yeah i mean there's
3: some <laughs> plot threads i'm very much looking forward to there's the like female beast boy like hidden somewhere yeah beast girl and like well, i think beast, she's got an actual name but i don't remember what her name was. Yeah. but uh but i thought beast world was really tragic and like emotional oh and god dark. Yeah. Yeah. and like it, it resolves sure. somewhat happily but also like with Amanda Waller making her power. And I think like that vibe, but like, if the stakes ramp dramatically up, I think is where superhero comics can really shine when you're fighting against oppressors. And in this case, you've already built themes of fighting against hatred with Wonder Woman, you know, these Amazonians are outcast, very much a symbol of queer oppression, of the oppression of queer people, because the Amazons are basically an island full of lesbians. right? and i think i'm really excited to see like those sorts of themes come up and really be a focus in a way that i think superman could be at his best when he doesn't have a lot of his powers and has to find strength elsewise Um, so i'm really excited for what's to come
2: yeah speaking of the amazons let me go ahead and jump into honorable mentions real quick where we will uh, I'll uh, I'll bring them up later on in the bonus show. But what we've got this week is Amazon's attack number five, Power Girl number six, the Penguin number seven, and breaking that trend of counting, Batman, <laughs> the Brave and the Bold number ten. Yeah, we'll talk Damn about it. more talk more about those later.
1: There, there really wasn't an eighth issue at all this week. There was a nine.
2: <laughs> there was Damn a nine.
1: It. There was a nine. Oh, well. Uh, yeah, I I'll be honest, I don't think I read any of those <laughs> this week Well, that's to, what yeah. I'm here for. yeah not not that, um, for everybody. Else. I haven't been interested. I just haven't gotten around to those yet. I instead spent my time reading this week's Power Rangers because I'm a nerd.
3: I hear Power Rangers is thriving right now.
1: It is fantastic. I was just thinking about it last night and in my head I was going through the story arc. They got a new creative team in issue one hundred. We just got issue one seventeen and it's still one long ongoing story that started with the core team of the Mighty Morphin Rangers and now has brought in like every fucking team you could ever think of. And it's it's fucking massive.
3: Oh my god, I just remembered. I didn't talk about we didn't talk about the biggest news story of last week. DC Comics is moving to Wednesdays again. Oh Oh,
1: yeah, I I didn't. I heard you told us about it, but I didn't see anything on the news about it, so I wasn't. I
2: forgot. (laughs) How how do you guys
3: feel about that?
2: I I liked it coming out on Tuesdays. Yeah, it was was nice. Yeah, I'm gonna miss it. It felt special.
3: I'm gonna miss it. It makes sense. Like they only have to go to comic book shop one day, and that can be Wednesday. That's easy. I mean, but most also, people
1: would just go on a Wednesday anyway and get their DC, get their Marvel, get their Image, get whatever. Yeah,
3: but it's know. funny because didn't Image just move to Tuesdays? Mm-hmm. Like one of the pub, one of the other like third yeah. level publishers just moved to Tuesdays. So it's funny because now they're alone.
1: Like why is DC moving to? Because the whole reason they went to Tuesdays in the first place because they switched publishing companies. Because
3: it's, its retailers want Wednesdays because they because they have to deal with two uh final order cutoffs for each week. they have to deal with two sh- different shipping sets. like yeah. just everything's more complicated because you have two sales days, like and they're just like, can we just consolidate it all in the one day for yeah. just the amount of work it takes to to get it set uh, set up each week,
0: yeah Fair enough, I, I like suppose. Tuesdays
3: as a as someone who mostly reads digital. I love Tuesdays and then Wednesday's are for saying. Marvel
1: there you oh. go yeah you can split it up evenly <laughs> that that just means we have one less day to prepare before we record on thursdays <laughs> yeah yeah
3: yeah unless you're brandon and you secretly get all your comics early
1: yeah
2: secretly Lucky not secretly <laughs> i i would
1: ask brandon to pick up extra copies and ship them to me but it would take a week to get here anyway. yeah i don't
3: think that would help
1: no yeah <laughs> drive to the border every Monday
3: <laughs> <laughs> he's got all the schoolwork and he has to drive <laughs> oh,
1: <laughs> we
2: will so we'll halfway. Halfway. We're, we're both about oh, three
1: hours okay. from the border
2: so
3: <laughs> yeah exactly yeah
2: a little six-hour round trip ain't never hurt anybody. Yeah, you know, a weekly six-hour round trip. Yeah, we'll, we'll, <laughs>
1: we'll go to Niagara Falls, pick one of the sides every week, go for a drink, read some comics. Bob's your uncle. Yeah, you're good.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Hi,
2: Bob.
3: <laughs>
2: never. All right. What do you guys drink, say that we drink. get into some of these books? Huh? Let's yeah. let's do
1: it. Let's shoot on over to our first let's, book.
3: Yeah, Green Arrow number nine. I did a job. I, It is. This was definitely the big book of the week. Uh, The most reveals, most meat to talk about. Um, With Beast World at an end, Waller now possesses control over the Hall of Order, formerly the Hall of Justice. She has all of its top tech defenses, with the exception of some of the magic layers, which she hasn't figured out yet. And Oliver Queen is still searching for Roy. So he does what anyone who wants to find Amanda Waller would do. Sneak into the new Hall of Order to confront her. But he gets caught because obviously there's all these defenses. It's near impossible to get through now. So after what, waking from being knocked out, Waller explains that she has a mysterious benefactor that brought her back from Earth-3. She realized that superheroes are all variations of the same thing and that Earth-3 was no different from the Earth-Prime. Um, or is it Earth-0 or Earth-Prime right now? whatever um, zero, right? or zero okay yeah so she's been separating Oliver's family to force him to come to her. Green Arrow agrees to help Waller and Waller asks him to steal none other than da, 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 the sanctuary from heroes in crisis
0: Thanks, with all Tom the King.
3: traumas <laughs> and terror and all with all the traumas and personal therapy sessions of all of the superheroes in existence. Yes,
1: the uh, only then, good thing to come out of here is a crisis. <laughs> yes.
3: Then, in a side plot, Connor finds Diggle and asks him to for help taking down Merlin.
1: Which that was exciting as well as yes. a Green Arrow fan to so see the Diggle return of come Diggle. Back. Yeah, to yeah. see not only the return of Diggle, but Connor and Diggle interacting.
3: And that then, really last but not least, uh, just because I forgot to say him earlier, uh, written by Joshua Williamson with art by Sean Izaki and colorist Romulo. Fajardo Jr. Right on.
1: Um, all right. Do you want to give us your rundown? Like, say your yeah. piece about it.
3: Yeah, I think it's a five out of five. Um, I don't think you can get much better than a for a post-event uh, epilogue sort of like aftermath story. Um, it, it gave us a lot of the questions we had from Green Arrow, reestablished sort of the new world that is Waller's Rise to Power. And it both feels natural within the Green Arrow book itself, but also coming out of Beast World. I think it all fits in together really well. Um, I think it's a little light on plot because it spends so much of its time world building. But that's kind of what you want from an Aftermath issue. And I think some of its reveals and teases make me more excited for what's to come rather than less, including specifically a lot of the stuff with Earth 3. I think it was one of the biggest questions with Waller's return was like, oh, we're ignoring the fact that Waller like literally disconnected herself from the multiverse entirely via to create her own world where she was fully in charge. um, And now she's back. And like, I'm glad we're getting some teases there. Um, And I'm really excited to see what those answers are um, when they come. Um, I think some of the Green Lanterns, Malcolm Merlin specific stuff, I'm not quite sold on um, because, but but that this issue didn't really have a lot of that, so I'm more than okay with the reveal that Diggle's back and uh, some of and some of this post uh, emphasis. I, I just I really like this issue. It's so it's so interesting, and I couldn't really ask for anything more. Uh, I love the return of Heroes in Crisis. One of my favorite things in comics is when they take an idea that was like rough at the time and critically panned but they take like the one or two good ideas from it and are like this event we want to be important for a long time to come. And we're bringing these things back to pay homage to that event and that time and those ideas. And I think sanctuary is a perfect thing that makes total sense for Waller to want to go after because who doesn't want Superman's therapy sessions in video form.
1: Yeah. Like there's a lot of data to scrounge through uh, from all sorts and not even just heroes but villains too like any mm-hmm. meta human that ever existed and that if that's what Waller's going for that we'll see this summer like it just makes sense.
3: Yeah. What do you think, Rob?
1: Pencils, fantastic. I love the art throughout the issue, but that's that's been an ongoing for this entire mm-hmm. run. I love the art in Green Arrow. The story I I am sold on. I am and I forgot to mention this uh, again. I forgot to mention when we were talking about um, absolute power, I'm tired of Amanda Waller just so
2: tired of them. Yeah. Not, not
1: like just, Oh, I'm so tired of her. Just like, I'm tired of her being the focal point all the time. Like she's, she's not to me that interesting a character anymore. (laughs) Like she's been done to death over the past 10 years. So I'm kind of just bored of Amanda Waller. Um, Do you
3: think, though, because I think one of the things that makes this version of Amanda Waller really work is it's the idea that she's like superheroes are the problem, and I need to make the world see that like metahumans Yeah, but I think the difference is she's been very much this more, I work for the government, I need this thing done, we'll do, let's get this thing done Mm -hmm. and I think her current lens is a lot more like how do I make the world see that superheroes are like these godlike beings who even if they care about you they don't really care about you because they exist on a level that's like above where humanity exists, and humanity can't fight for itself. They have to rely on heroes. And how to take that ownership, I think, is really interesting. And the way that she weaponizes hatred and misogyny, homophobia, etc., to get there, and it's like feels very current to the times. A lot of the ways that um, those sorts of sentiments exist, and I think. It really works in that sense where she's like dark patriotism, but I think in a way that's more focused on like the government and power versus like Earth 3, where it's like, oh, I have the side thing and I'm really focused on myself. This is very different. And I like this version of Amanda Waller. But I do wonder is a lot of your Amanda Waller struggle. Mostly to do with, like, general media or, like, the comic stuff specifically. Because I feel like she hasn't been in a lot of comics over the last, like, three years. Oh,
1: that's, well, what? I mean, like, ten years, but, like... Sure. Like, She's even, been showing in, up even all in the over movies. The she was in Green Lantern in 2011. She was in, you yeah. know, like, a few different Else Worlds titles. That whole thing I mean, came... yeah. War for Earth 3 still left a bad taste in my mouth.
3: <laughs> it, was a, it was a fine oh. event. It was a fine event.
1: Oh, I couldn't stand no, that whole oh, freaking story. <laughs> and no, I enjoy no, no. Earth Three stories. I mm-hmm. like the Crime Syndicate. I was so tired of that story.
3: Like, here's my question: If if the Suicide Squad movie and yeah. Peacemaker didn't come out, mm-hmm. do you hate? Are you annoyed by Amanda Waller's presence here as much?
2: Oh no, I love Peacemaker. It's her in the comics. It's just the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah, it's
1: like, like it's yeah. it's a one-trick pony. It's, it's not... Lex like- Luthor
2: has evolved as a character. The Joker has evolved as a character. Catwoman, sure. Deathstroke, you fucking name it. Amanda Waller is the same character she's been for... Hell, no, I mean, at the least 15 years, yeah. Um, like, I don't even know what her I'm a soldier was, fuck a really superheroes, even if you, even if the people don't realize that superheroes are the real threat, I'm gonna take care of it anyway. And like, if, I mean, if this
1: is a story that basically puts a pause on her for a while, I'm okay with it. Like, I'll, I'll still read, I'm still be excited about it. Um, sorry, again, I'm talking about absolute power, <laughs> um, and like i'll still tie this to green arrow like this is leading mm-hmm. into absolute power definitely but just with a, with amanda Waller, like, like like josh was saying and like i said just one trick pony it, it's been the same thing over and over and over again mm-hmm. and her stuff in the movies she was very minor in but she was still like she was there that's my point yeah um and i just you see her a lot and i don't find her very interesting you know like there was, I don't even remember what it was, but there was a story that tried to give her some kind of tragic backstory. And I thought that was interesting, but then it was just completely forgotten about. And we never yeah. saw it. A- oh, I think that was Suicide Squad during Infinite Frontier. Because I remember telling my dad, like, Oh, this is so cool. And he's like, That's not Amanda Waller, that's dumb. <laughs> but that's besides the point, like that that whole tragic thing is like, okay, we're finally getting a layer to Waller, and then it was never brought up again. And now we're just getting, here she is using bureaucracy as a weapon. And she's, like, Lex Luthor with less steps. Yeah, but I think
3: there's, like, different sides to Amanda Waller. There's the, like, I'm pro-war crimes Amanda Waller, which is very, like, focused on emphasizing sort of, like, foreign wars, like, black ops in the same way as, like, the CIA. And then there's, like, the Amanda Waller that's, like, representative of sort of the government as a whole. And I really enjoyed this version of Amanda Waller a lot. And I think Amanda Waller has been done a lot. And I remember when dark crisis said, and they were like, Oh yeah, Amanda Waller's the next big bad. It was like, "Ugh." but I also think she's one of the few characters that can really connect the DC universe together. And I think her actions are something that every hero has to pay attention to. Whereas I think the actions of a lot of the other big bads are like, not that way.
1: That's fair. And there's something you, you mentioned there that kind of put it in a different light for me. If if you look at this ongoing story as government versus superheroes, mm-hmm. that is one thing. And you need if you need a, a piece to play that role, yeah, mm-hmm. I can see Amanda Waller. If it's just Amanda Waller going after heroes, I'm kind of like, eh, whatever. Well, but if there's going to be more, and it's going to be like a government with Amanda Waller is like the, the, the mm-hmm. chess piece they're using to move those moves,
3: then, yeah, I, well, I mean, then that's I'm all what... for that. That's what all the anti Amazonian stuff is. That's yeah. what Sergeant Steele is. Like, he is these other pieces of government that work with Amanda Waller, that mm-hmm. are like part of the government force that's becoming more and more anti metahuman
1: Yeah. And yet, the president. It was all for the titans
3: <laughs> well until at the, the president said i until the president said yeah but you can kill the two billion people to two million people who are still animals oh i mean at at, after
1: after yeah. that yeah like like after even after he was like with a what he, he he wasn't cool with waller doing that and then nightwing broke into his office they saved the first lady he was like maybe you guys aren't so bad <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah, but the government is more than just one branch. Yeah, right.
1: That's what I mean. But like, when you have the the chief, like this is this is, this is like nuts to me when it comes to like politics and bureaucracy. Like, you have the chief of state, you have the the leader of the country, and the same thing happens in Canada too. They say one thing, and everybody's like, hey, I get opinions will will go, but just like you'd think mm-hmm. the government would follow suit. Yeah. You don't need the people to follow suit. I understand that completely, but you think at least. The government would follow suit,
2: <laughs> but yeah. no. Yeah, you'd think. So, um,
3: what are your thoughts on this issue?
2: Um, I think the art in issue is great. I enjoy just about every panel. I, um, in contrast to Rob, have not enjoyed Porter, Porter's work. Uh, this is this is great, um, except for the last page. I didn't like the way that Harley was drawn. But what, what do you mean Porter? Um, Porter was on Green Arrow before
1: was he i thought it was always his cozy.
2: no he was howard border was drawn for a little while well ollie was bouncing back and forth across time and fighting old ollie that ended up being Well, you know, i'm only?
1: looking at issue three right now it's a cozy.
2: really well, Porter was in there somewhere. I like Gazi better than him for sure. Anyway.
1: Hester. Hester. Phil Hester.
2: <coughs> Phil Hester. Yeah, well, he, yeah. He was in for whatever. like one issue. Okay. Well, it's yeah. that visually assaulting that was stuck in my head <laughs> the whole time. Um, but yeah, I think the art and colors really shine here. Phenomenal job. And surprisingly, this is the first issue of Williams' run. That has me interested in the story but that doesn't mean much to me because he's got a history of not delivering so we will see as for this issue as for this issue though um the future can not affect the score this was actually good enough to not hate reading it i gave it a very surprising 7.5 out of 10.
1: Right on. i i'm sold on the story i'm down for diggle um i'm I'm very interested in what's going on waller aside uh i'm just happy there's a green arrow book i keep saying that every month and i'm sold on this so this is uh 8.5 out of 10
3: oh you guys use tens don't you uh-uh, uh-uh i'm a fan of the five system
1: that's okay. <laughs> That's right. Five out of uh-huh. five. What we can call it? A, you're giving a full. Okay, scale then it's it's a nine.
3: Size. It's an, if I have to go on with ten, it's a nine. It's not like yeah. a ten out of ten. It's a, it says nine out of ten, but right. I, I tend to use the five system for right. comics. Um, but yeah, really happy with it. Um, I'm also happy with our next issue.
0: Yes.
2: Yeah. I'm going to do my best to speed through that one. Uh, <laughs> uh, written by Cy Spurrier, Art and Colors Inside and Out by Mike Diodato Jr. and Trish Movahill, with lettering by Hassan Atsmani Al We've got the flash number six. It's activity date night. And I immediately went, oh no. But it's not a date issue. Thank goodness. It was Wally's idea. And. um, This issue is it's about Wally and Barry in the stillness, but it's just as much about Linda Um, before we get into the super stuff. It is activity date night and for Wally and Linda. Apparently, that means Linda riding on Wally's back as he responds to emergencies. Normally, Um, they do that behind doors. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, So Linda, she's not feeling right she loves wally she loves her family but ever since she lost her powers around that time she feels empty but it affects more than that it affects all of her including her feelings so um i mean hopefully this ends on a good note now as far as the hero stuff goes wally runs to where some of the uncoiled are but barry is already there in fact through the whole book barry is for some reason faster than wally Well, he has this new dimensional sidestepping ability, and it seems that by gaining that, he's lost control of his powers. So him and Barry talk with the stillness, which, of course, are speaking all weird and archaic, and they hand Barry a weapon and say, I mean, basically that he is their chosen one, whatever this is all about. As they begin to run again, Barry starts getting this weird glow in front of him that looks like someone's grandma's glasses. And he starts being a real douchebag to Wally. Uh, it becomes quickly apparent that he's under the influence of the stillness. Don't worry though, because the insult and the insults end with Barry stabbing Wally with the weapon i
1: was not okay so i'll be honest with you right now it was not apparent to me at all <laughs> <laughs> no i thought barry was just i this is not barry what the fuck is like i i hate this issue size or white he doesn't get yeah. wall he doesn't get barry like what the fuck's going on when you say he's under the influence of the stillness okay makes a bit more sense he, he's
3: <laughs> yeah. under the influence of something it's not quite clear it's the stillness right. Uh, the, the stillness likes Barry because he's doesn't have a lot of like connections, whereas Wally is like emotionally traumatized and mm-hmm. emotionally has a lot of like mental weight. Like Barry doesn't because Barry can't hold anything substantial to save his life. Um, yeah, that's a personality know. flaw. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> personally <laughs> can't handle any sort of relational like connection. That's, like, deep and, like, long-term commitment. That's, like, a long-term commitment. So he's very, like, emotionless, which lets him go faster. While Wally is so carried down and, like, burdened by these emotions lately that he's slower than he used to be, which I find really fascinating.
2: Mm-hmm. Um. Going on with the book, there's some unidentified people in the cells that are remotely watching all of this go down with Barry and Wally and all of that, the stabbing and whatnot. And it turns out the whole thing was a ruse to make Wally their conduit, with the end game being that they plan to use him to spread a virus that will cause time to stand still, the Corona Contrarium, or the Crown of Thorns. That's what we see on the last page: an evil-looking reverse flash with some smaller panels of Grod and others. Um, man, I didn't think this was a story that we would end up seeing Thawne in. That's crazy. Uh, I yeah. was completely surprised. I've kind of I've kind of been into this flash run quite a bit because of its uniqueness. I know it's not everybody's favorite, but uh I've I've been enjoying it, and surprisingly. Bringing in Thawne at that last page didn't temp- temper the feeling of being interested in it. I'm, I'm really looking forward to the rest of this run because I'm so damn curious. And while we've definitely said it before, Diodato's physiology is a bit extreme pretty often. I did dig the majority that was here in this issue. And I mean, I really like that I could tell which flash, flash was which without even so much as a half a second of a thought. Um, yeah, I, I walked away pretty impressed with this issue 8.5 out of 10. Yeah, Wally wasn't as creepy this issue, <laughs> yeah. I will say <laughs> he wasn't doing um, a lot of smiling, though.
1: Yeah, that's good, good I'll say, for the first time ever. Wally's not smiling, thank god.
2: Right? <laughs> um,
1: I So I'm realizing something just now, and I'll have to uh, uh, amend my score after the revelation that Barry was under the influence of something. I thought that was just him being a dick and very out of character. Um, But um, where was I going with this? Yeah, so I'll have to amend my score. That being said, though, I'm realizing reading this. I'm getting the same feeling I got the first time I went through Grant Morrison's The Green Lantern, where I was not completely So I knew there was something there that I just couldn't see yet, um, but I wasn't completely sold on it, and it wasn't until a couple of years passed after the run completely finished, I went back and I read the whole thing in one go. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I see it for what it truly is. I appreciate this more. So maybe just, maybe that's what needs to happen with the flash. You, we just need to give it for those of us like myself that aren't completely sold on this. And you feel like there's something there. You just don't know what it is. Just give it time. Um, and maybe give it a reread. Once the, the first 12 issues are done, maybe that might, Put things in a better perspective because it certainly did me with Grant Morrison's flat uh, Green Green Lantern. Um, I'm still not in love with this issue because I, I I'll admit I clearly I was lost most of the time. Really, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, the art was definitely not as jarring this time and I agreed like I was able to differentiate between Wally and Barry very easily so I was happy about that I'll still give this issue I'll bump it up to like
0: 6.5 yeah. <laughs> I'm not whoa, in
1: love -uh. I'm not in love with the Flash right now. I'm not. This is not Wally for me. Okay. Giving a six
2: point five is like me saying it's a four, maybe even a three and a half. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He does not like it. (laughs) Maybe
1: a seven on a good day, but there you go. I'm sick, so it's not a good day.
2: Hey, jams toaster. uh, Nathan's been alluring at you. Thanks for Uh uh, thanks for watching, and uh, give us a follow, Follow. man.
3: Hell yeah. Um, so there are different types of foods, just like there are different types of comics. There's candy, there's meat, there's vegetables, there's dessert. You've got this full gamut. There's the appetizers. To me, this book series is like very well-cooked vegetables,
2: like well it cooked, is like well, well cooked
3: vegetables, yeah. Like 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 really tasty vegetables.
2: Okay.
3: Like it's okay. it's a lot of work to get through. It's at times not the most rewarding, but you can tell it's making like the like yourself like and like the world around you in some ways like healthier. And I think what this book is doing feels a bit like that. I think one of the reasons I think you were struggling a bit, Rob. Is because it is some work to get through. You know, it has a lot of ideas that it throws at you at really rapid pace and a lot of themes that are really meaty and worth exploring that I think are really make it really high quality and have
1: you need you, a lot of things you need to connect, like you need to to okay, this happened over here, yeah. and it, it feels like like that. Scene in Always Sunny where Charlie yeah. was working
3: in the mailbox. It's very yeah, philosophical. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's very philosophical. <laughs> it's full of sci-fi, like like this, like sort science. of pseudo, not like pseudo-science that's very inspired by like psionic like connection. It reminds me a lot mm. of Legion of with his book with uh Legion. What was it with Nightcrawler and Legion? Was it called Legion of X? But very Metaphorical and up, like these lofty ideas that I think really work. And I think this Great. idea of like speed and like that to run that fast, you have like this lightness about you, but you're carried down by emotional weight is really powerful. But I also think there's lots of different ways that it's really interesting. Like the idea that you have the son who, of course, can like teleport when he's in trouble, and the idea that that like there are different types of ways you could interact with speed force. You know, there's speedsters like Bolt who have like short dashes, but then you have like, the. now there's more of an exploration around like what the speed force is. And I'm hoping we get some answers, more of answers about the strength force and some of these other forces that have been discussed. And I think at the core of all of this, there's the sense that like the world that Wally and Barry have been living in for the longest time of their knowledge, of the speed force was like, it was like good But now it turns out there was like another order of magnitude, more complexity that they are first exploring. And I think as readers, we're also getting bits and pieces of it. And I think every issue, we're getting an extra piece of it. Um, The first issue was about sort of the idea that like there that when Wally is using his powers, like he is damaging the speed force in some capacity. The third issue focused on the idea, or the fourth issue was like the idea of like the like realm swapping and like the idea that there's like a realm of concepts past space and time. Then there's the, the fifth issue really focused on the idea of like the shaper. And I think this issue really le- lends into okay, now that we've learned some of these pieces, like what does this mean for Wally? And this idea that Wally is now being forced to choose between the safety of the speed force and reality as a whole. And his connection and weight to the people around him that he cares deeply about. You know, when his son is injured, Wally is willing to destroy, like shatter the world to save his son and protect him. And now he's forced to do make sort of that question where like, do I give up some of that emotional baggage to keep the speed force and reality healthy? Or do I give everything up? And I think this dynamic is incredibly compelling and enjoyable. Mm -hmm. And I know and like it's not the most fun thing to get through. It's not the most satisfying, but I think what it's doing is really powerful, smart and intricate and well crafted in ways that make me really feel like him like Seisberg is at the, being at the top of his craft right now. Um, oh, yeah, that's true. And for me, it's a nine out of, it's like a nine or nine out of nine out of ten leaning on getting close to a 10 out of 10. I think this book is fantastic and I love that he's unpeeled this next layer of this like organization of some sort that's on the, that's surrounding the events going on. And I really can't wait for what's uh, coming next with this book.
1: I'm going to give it another shot when I'm not dealing with a fever. (laughs) Um, Maybe, just maybe that, might be a root cause for my disdain for this issue. <laughs> I
3: think it helps. I think it really helps to go back through it. I think it was the same yeah. way that, like, but I think it's a much better version of what Morrison likes to do with his weirdness. I think Sysburg is a little bit more deliberate and clearly has a lot more of a clear vision on what exactly is going on and does give you the pieces to it, whereas Morrison's like, here's a weird idea, let's throw it in here. I think there's a lot more deliberateness here. And I, Because I recently went back, and uh, right before I read this issue, I went back and read five. And reminded me a lot about the connections of his son, right, to everything. Um, mm-hmm. And Jay's sort of like, which of course culminates in Jay deciding he doesn't want to be a superhero. But I think like having reread that issue and re relooking re-looking at the idea of a shaper and then coming back to this, it felt like this was the, oh yeah, now let's bring in some of those threads together and like some of the new ideas. And I'm really happy with it. But there's still lots of questions to answer. And I'm excited to get the answers to those questions.
1: Yeah, my biggest question is, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> I mean All that is the premise revealed, of the book yeah. right.
3: <laughs> but like they are revealing new pieces right yeah. like that is part of why it's yeah. working for me it's because yes. I am getting more answers as we go on I now understand some of the language not like what the hell is the stillness I'm like okay there's some sentient species that's looking on and like we're getting some sense and they have but, like there's still questions but I think I'm understanding the language more now whereas before it was very like where it's like you're you're learning as you go, and I think that's yeah,
2: cool. yeah, it never goes stale for a yeah. slower story. It never feels stale, and yeah. that's impressive to me.
3: And I love the like each story, individual issue is just its own story, but there is a clear arc yep. throughout it that I like. Mm-hmm.
2: Indeed. And speaking of arcs that we like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of The Flash,
1: it's now going back to the Golden Age. Well, the new Golden Age, and technically the present day as well, is Jay Garrick, The Flash, numero cinco, uh, number five for those that speak uh, non-Canadian. Uh, so this is written not by... canadian <laughs> There's got to be some Canadians listening to this, yelling at me. I'm not from Quebec, asshole! Uh, I'm <laughs> from Ontario, and I speak French. What's your problem? Uh, all right, so... This is written by Jeremy Adams, with our from Diego Orletegui, colors from Luis Guerrero, and letters from Steve Wands, with a very nice cover, as you can see on our screen right now, from Jorge Corona and Sarah Stern. So picking up where we last left in issue four, Jay and, um, wow, I forgot her freaking name. Judy, <laughs> Judy, thank you. I just wanted Judy to say, boom. I just wanted to say the boom, but like what's her real name? <laughs> so Jay and Judy are running away from bullets from Professor Hughes' android who is killing <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Mr. Slate from revealing any of his secrets. Um, Professor Hughes, as we found at last issue, is actually Dr. Alchemy um so jay does what he can to take down the robots and is able to um incapacitate her for the time being but this is when uh dr alchemy takes over remote control of the robots and is now speaking to jay through her um revealing uh some Not really information, but uh, revealing all he knows, knowing what Jay knows, and then reveals that there's a bomb on the back of the robot's head. So Jay and Judy run as fast as they can and get everybody out of the building. Uh, But unfortunately, Mr. Slate has died. Uh, So any information they could have gotten is now gone. Um, Bye-bye. Yep. And the last thing Jay says before they run off to their next adventure is we need to catch him because that's what flashes do. Uh, so they head straight to Brazil in the city of the sun, aka Natal, uh, where they meet an old friend, uh, which is Peter. P- P- oh my God. Peter Cross, uh, which you may remember is the Hour, not Hourman. Wow. Dr. Midnight from the 90s. Uh yeah. was from the 90s, wouldn't that? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a long time since he's been around, but uh, he's here and it's just fun right off the bat calling Jay Joel Ciclone, um, and meeting Judy and just getting the backstory and that. So they go to his secret lab, um, and <coughs> <coughs> excuse me. No, uh, as they're discussing about what what's going to happen next, um, where Peter bets Jay that you know they're very safe here to bet you that uh, uh, Dodger Alchemy has no idea if you've entered the country. As Jay says, "I'll take in a dollar bills, thank you." As the alarm goes off, and Peter gives him the five dollars <laughs> because <laughs> Robert and a robot army has uh, converged on the shack which houses the secret laboratory. So Jay and Peter get dressed as well as Judy, but Jay wants Judy to stay behind because Dr. Alchemy wants her and he's going to do whatever he can to keep her out of his hands. However, that was a bad idea because as Judy is left alone in the base, she gets tired of waiting, decides she's going to run off, but is found by Dr. Alchemy nonetheless within the secret laboratory. Uh, and thanks to some well-placed robots, she gets tranquilized and is then taken away by Dr. Alchemy. Um, Jay and Peter have a lot of fun taking down Robear and the robot army, and as Jay interrogates Robear, uh, Robear reveals that Dr. Alchemy might already be here, uh, so he runs into the lab to find Judy, but Judy is gone, uh, and that is when Jay and Peter reveal as they interrogate Robert one more time that he can't teleport because Pieter uh, found his teleportation device, and now they're going to get any info they want out of Robert. Uh, leaving a father to go to any lengths to find his daughter. This has become Taken, starring Liam Neeson, and I'm all <laughs> for it. I have a
2: particular set of skills. My buddy. <laughs>
1: yeah. Fucking Liam Neeson playing Jay Garrick. I never knew I wanted that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of no, sold I on do. that. Too.
1: Yeah. Uh, right, so this series has been a lot of fun. Just seeing Jay and Judy um, get to know each other again. And just our introduction, introduction really, to Judy and the grand- Grander DC Universe. <sighs> Excuse me. Um, it's been a lot of fun. I love the art. The story's interesting. I'm sold on this connection, even though it takes place in modern day. It's still connecting to Jay's origins. Um, I've seen the term uh, retconning his origin thrown around a lot online, but I really don't think it's retconning his origin. I think it's just adding an element to it uh, and taking what was already established and then then just adding in a part that we wouldn't have seen at the time. uh, to really... What?
2: Oh, you said adding an element to Jay, and well, that's how he got his superpowers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: that's a good point. I didn't that even catch really that. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it's just adding to the origin, which which I think is really interesting, um, and it's working. Like I like Doctor Doctor Elemental. I love the relationship with Jay and Judy, uh, and seeing Peter Cross come back. Uh, at least for one off maybe he's gonna stick around for the the final issue like I'm sold on this it's been a great run uh, Jeremy Adams you could do no wrong <laughs> God love you man it sure um, doesn't
2: seem like it does it
1: yeah so far Deller <laughs> Stellar work from Jeremy Adams. Uh, all right, so I'm gonna give this my highest score of the episode. Uh, <laughs> to no surprise. It's gonna 8.75 and 10.
2: Right on, man. Right on. I guess that is the end of the books, huh? Yeah, but well, you two have to give your review. Oh, I do have to give that <laughs> It's not just me. <laughs> I mean, it's, Rob, you kind of summed it up pretty damn good, exactly how I feel. Uh, Adams is so damn good at writing all kinds of different characters in all kinds of different books. And every one of his issues I read makes me really impatient for the next one. Um, and I love Orletegui's uh, uh, art, dude. It just bangs. It's, yeah. Awesome, really, really liking this book and specifically this issue. I gave it an 8.25 out of 10.
1: Yeah, especially some of the panels or looks like we had with uh Dr. Midnight. Those all oh, they look so good. Yeah, like it's not not stellar, it's not like pop in your face, it's just like that's a really cool action shot and I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: agreed. Where were you at, Nate? I,
3: I, I don't get the love for this book. <laughs> um, I, want, I don't want to be that person. I got then. that
1: sense. I could see some of your facial expressions but, and i, was I it I am like, reactive. Oh, no. <laughs> but
3: It's not that it's a terrible book. It's just that, like, it feels very run-of-the-mill and very basic. Like, I don't think it's i think the one thing it has going for it it's a thing it's had going for it throughout which is that like it's introducing judy into this world and her relationship to her father right but outside of that like this book isn't giving me anything compelling the villains aren't really all that interesting the the like plot in general just isn't really caring i don't really care for judy much in this issue like like her character's interest, been interesting in some other issues, but this issue isn't really giving anything compelling. Yeah. I don't really think Jay is, is been, was super compelling in this issue. And I feel like, I just feel like it didn't quite work. Um, it's not terrible. It's just very, like, if I were to write the average superhero comic, this is what that is. Yeah, that's right. Um, and to call it, since that are this the best book of the week actually blows my mind. Oh, it's not it's just
1: the, just the best of the three we've talked about
3: of the, of the three <laughs> of the three actually yeah. blows my mind because it is not there for me like it it just feels very rote and oh. so it's a it's a six it's okay if you like <laughs> if you like what they're doing with golden age like absolutely go read it but i don't think this is even the best this is not the best golden age book by like far like green lantern is way better so it's just it's just not really working for me
1: now i can agree i think the the green lantern alan scott green lantern might be the best of the three golden age series so far i'm not completely sold yet like i say yet on uh sandman i'm just not not that into the story i think
3: I'm just not into Wesley Dodds. You yeah. could not make me like love Wesley Dodds. It's just not happening. So yeah. I'm like, good for you people who like him. I'm just like, I have no real opinion. Fair enough.
1: With this, I'm, I'm just, maybe it's because of my own semi recent, like getting my own daughter. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm getting that vibe from Jay. Like, all right, I'm yeah. miss with you. I'm loving that. And maybe that, that's what it is for me.
3: And look, if you, if it's clicking with you, I'm really happy. I'm really mm. happy for you. It just it doesn't work for me. I I, um, I can agree with you for yeah. sure.
1: It is like your run of the mill superhero book. Like Some, sometimes that's what we need.
3: <laughs> sure, I think what makes like the what the the premise of these Golden Age books is taking these like new inserts into the Golden Age jo- and lore and characters, yeah. and then creating new stuff to make these characters deeper and richer. Right. That is what Alan Scott is doing. You know, it's taking his story and using a lot of these new ideas and inserts to really flesh out Alan Scott as a character in ways that are really emotional, heart wrenching and compelling, you know, and and this just isn't doing much of that. Like it's I feel like like cameo work.
1: I mean, I it's like- adding to Jay, for sure. With, with
3: sure,
2: these, sure. I mean, but it's I not... I feel like those are two totally different kinds of stories, though, because Allen's is essentially a complete retelling and a way more in-depth look at basically his origin or, you know, like year one kind of stuff, whereas this is almost Booms year one. Um, and it's like Jay trying to bring her into the world. That's what I'm getting from this is that... Uh, they're using the Jay Garrick book to make Boom a more prominent hero.
3: But because of that, I don't feel like the Golden Age part is really doing anything for me. Like, it's not like the no. what I like about the Golden Age, which is these new inserts. I'm not really getting a lot of that. Instead, it feels like this character just like, I don't know, it just feels a little forced. But I'm not, I think it's an okay book. It's a very average superhero book. Sure. It's not objective. It's not bad. It's just, it's okay. Um, that's, that's about all I have to say on it. Um,
2: well, then what do you got to say about the rest? You got a top three and favorite moment, Nathan?
3: Um, I guess my favorite moment of the week is the moment where we get the reveal of Heroes a Crisis. Uh, being part of this upcoming plot thread, my mind was genuinely blown. I think it's so smart and so clever and really works. Um, and then in terms of my top books of the week... I'll be honest, I have not finished everything this week. Um, I'm working through it still. I have had a busy college week, week of college, and getting through everything is painful. I'm also not on top <laughs> of Detective Comics, so I know Brandon loves it. I have not been reading all of it. Um, I did really like the Penguin issue this week, um, and I like what they're doing with Amazon attacks, but I'm not. Um, but I'm not... Like it's it's like it's like slightly above average, but it's kind of in the same vein as what I was talking about with Jay Garrick. Yeah. I just like a lot of the like themes around the Wonder Woman.
1: Uh, um, at least like from, Wonder Woman's um,
3: lore right now.
1: Of the books you've read, anyway, or the, or at least the books we covered today, uh, what would you rank them?
3: Uh, I would. I mean, it's Green Arrow one, Flash. Well, I think I'd rank Flash higher actually, uh, but I'm gonna go with Green Arrow one, Flash two. jay garrick three and the reason why i think green arrow is one for me over the flash is i think green arrow has that weight and like impact in the universe i think we will be talking about like this issue will matter a year from now like this Mm -hmm. issue will have had a hey this is an essential issue you need to read for this year's worth of stories whereas the flash number six isn't that it's a great issue it doesn't have that like essential feel and it's not like good and essential whereas like uh the green arrow was very good and essential so um, so, even though I think Flash is a better book, I'm going to Green Arrow Flash. Jay Garrick.
2: Fair yeah. enough.
1: Josh, you want to go next?
2: Uh, Sure. Um, top three aggregated. I've got Jay Garrick, The Flash, number five at uh, third place. The Flash, number six and second. And number one had to go to Harley Quinn, number 37. No fans are butts about it. That was just so good Um,
1: only for the backup
2: (laughs) my um, I I think my favorite moment though is going to be that first action panel in the flash where Wally gets there where Barry's at the way that it is drawn of them moving around so quickly and and, and fighting is just it's it's yeah that that actually was really good
1: I was surprised to see that that awesomeness in in a, in a, a book drawn by Diodado. Uh, yeah, thank you. Um for me, I'm I'm still deciding on number three. Oh man. Uh I'll I'll put shoot man. Okay. Just oh sneaking God. by because of the art, Detective Comics at number three um i'm putting jay garrick at number two and harley quinn at number one green arrow was so close to number three but the art in detective comics is just sneaking by <laughs> so so and good ramby's yeah. killing it with yeah. the art yeah
3: or he's, he's i mean he's setting up great artists yeah so yeah really good yeah
1: yeah you can't go wrong with the art in detective like, it's oh, oh. No. Between that and like, Starzky's Batman, I'm still not over that panel in the second uh, issue of Batman, the, the the Joker Year One story we got where he's coming out of the blood. Oh god, that was so fucking good. <laughs> you know what's you know what's
3: wild? Romv is on his sixth year of DC Comics exclusivity. Yeah, there are six months, six months of DC Comics exclusivity. Yeah, and I still feel like we've only gotten the one thing from him. So what is he cooking?
2: What I don't is- care, but I'm gonna read it. Yeah. I'm excited. <laughs>
3: but you know what I mean. Like, he's already you-
1: teased that there's something else coming. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: What is that thing? I, that's what I need to know. I mean,
1: I think it's going to be if if the rumors are true, it's going to be that ultimate DC.
3: Yeah, I, I do. I think. Yeah, that's he's it
1: he's already teased that he's being he's he's reinventing a character. Yeah, that
3: that sounds. That sounds. And we know uh, Kelly was it Kelly Thompson said that she's going to be writing an ongoing for something soon. She's been scared to do a major ongoing for years because she feels because it's like hard and also um, she feels like it's like like it's like you don't get like you have to like she feels like it makes her work is less impactful that way. But she was saying she feels like as she's gotten older, like the legacy of her work hasn't quite clicked as much. Because she like she writes, creates six issues, but then like she moves on, and the idea, and like what people remember years and years later is there are these like long epic runs, yep. and so she's been really wanting to do one, and she said that she got an opportunity that she was like, I can't pass this up, um, and what that opportunity is, I don't know, but it screams spits probably DC. Yeah. Given that Marvel has been a mess, um, and any ongoing series at Marvel probably isn't going to have the weight you want right now. Um, is she is she the one doing Birds of Prey right now? Yeah, yeah, she's doing Birds of Prey.
1: Okay, so like uh, right away, her legacy is set in stone. That that series is man,
3: fucking fantastic. I, I mean, look, <laughs> the problem is like seven years from now. Let's say Birds of Prey ends at issue twelve. Yeah, how much are we still going to be talking about it? Versus, I probably like, we will. Talk about, <laughs> sure, be right. But like, how, how like how often have you talked about? Uh, what are some g- generic twelve issue like miniseries like Jeff Johns Shazam? Like we don't really talk about that much anymore. I'm still
2: really waiting. talk Rorschach a lot.
3: We talk no, about, you but, like... don't.
1: Don't lie.
2: <laughs> oh well, yeah, I do. It's one of my favorite examples of how Tom King can fuck up any character.
1: <laughs> I do use it as an example for my case study on Tom King writing, though.
3: Oh, that's so terrible. Uh But anyway. Um... 12, 12, 12,
1: 12, I I can I can pull a twelve issue series out of my butt. I know I can. Like right away, I'm thinking of Convergence, which I don't think was twelve issues. But
3: twelve issue. What I'm trying to think of, like not even like like what's a random six issue mini series that like has. Here's a good example: Bendis's Checkmate. How much should we talk about Checkmate?
1: I didn't like. It was written by Bendis. I don't talk about Bendis. Yeah. <laughs> even if
2: it I've was good. A fair light, and I do bring <laughs> that up too. But I'm i didn't I'm, again, it. again. It's just a hate on
3: yeah. even if it was good how much did we talk about it zero we don't talk about
1: it i i have Stay i now. have seen some people talk about it it's, okay I I just... never mind never mind <laughs> i <laughs> tried to make a point
3: it didn't land I, I
1: get where your point's yeah. going but i feel like birds of prey might actually be one of we'll those see. stories oh, so the us. reason
2: being and i'm going to agree with rob here the reason being as far as i'm concerned this is one of the best birds of prey stories ever
3: Oh, it's been fantastic so far, for sure.
2: Yeah, and it's been—it's a resurgence of a team that we've been wanting for the past, hell, fifteen years. Yeah. So while if 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 people are talking about the best comic runs to to read or something you absolutely need to get into to get into comics, that's it's it's not going to show up there. It's not. But if you talk about the but, birds that pray right? this will have to be at the top of the list
3: she wants to have some big legacy books that people will be talking about for years to come it's like this is a yeah. definitive story for this character i, don't know, I want and right to now like she's man i i oh yeah i i think that might i was thought was thinking that might be it but i really think i think it's after rum i think she's taking over for
2: you think so Oh, Batman. Batman.
3: That's why I'm wondering. I wonder if she's doing the what? Batman for the Ultimate Universe.
1: Oh, I see what you yeah. mean. Yeah. Or, I, or, as far as I know, Zersky wants to be on Batman as
3: long as yeah, possible. Yeah, but, like, his reviews, oh my I, don't, I don't like that run. Uh-uh. It's not. Oh, I fucking love it, all. man. Uh-huh. I love That's it. It's true. amazing. Get someone
2: new on. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, honestly, out. though, Josh this is the best we are We are in, in the minority. Batman crossing years. the. Lord.
3: No, I, I loved, oh, yes. uh, I loved uh, Josh, James Tinian's uh, work with Batman. So really I, great ideas. Really that to me too. is like good Batman, like what I want Batman to be.
2: Good ideas, so horrible. horrible follow-through.
3: Yeah, but this is even worse follow-through. We're talking about like a multiverse <laughs> of Zurinars that's stuck in Batman's head, creating fail-safe. Like it's a bunch of just like nonsense, like ideas that kind of work but not really and then you have gotham war which was a mess like i don't know
2: gotham war didn't really need to happen gotham war um
3: so Darsky chose to have vandal savage in there anyone who knows their writing was like yeah this is not a good idea try something else
1: Vandal Savage was the only good part of that story. But he shouldn't have been in the
3: story. Uh, like
2: Gandal Savage is the one we need to forget here.
3: And Bruce is so unlikable <laughs> for no reason. Like, it's not like a compelling unlikable.
2: Where like, he's, I mean, it's he, just unlikable. If, if, if you look at it, it's, it's imagine yourself in the comic book world. It's a real world view of what he has to be like.
3: I don't think that's true, though. Whatever. I think Batman. I think, Batman, I think Batman, in Batman.
2: in real world would be kind of a douchebag.
3: Yeah, but uh, when, but like
1: to his family though. Yeah, well, it's kind of
2: what, what, what he's always been. Even Josh, here's in raids, finest.
3: Tom King tells a story about Batman falling from grace and becoming a bit of a douchebag, and uh, you're like, "This is the worst story ever." Nightmares sucks. It was it's Pirates not like being sucks. And now you're like, Zdarsky, everything's the same. Batman's and his family are at war with each other, disagreeing over very basic morality issues. And you're like, oh, it's so good. It's so but good. But it's, it's, it's not the same even the same struggle.
2: kind of story, though. I mean, in the broadest sense of the words, yeah.
3: Which is one of which is Zurin are influenced, and the other one is trauma-influenced. But they're... Which, they're I
1: don't know. The way, the way I see it... So I was enjoying Tom King's run for the most part up until he, he like fucked us over on the wedding. So Yeah, I, like, think, I think I think that left a bad taste edited. in my mouth. Yeah. Um, but like you have Zdarsky, in a word, I could describe it as bombastic, where Tom King's run is grounded. Wow. And I think that is where we're finding the the mm. excitement in it, the bombastic story that we're getting from Zdarsky. Like, it's it's going a full speed the entire time. And that's why Gotham War didn't hit the same yeah. for pretty much everybody because it... it was so so pulled out of the speed that Zdarsky's Batman had the entire time yeah. from fail-safe... Um, was that the first arc? It was Failsafe? Yeah. yeah, it was Failsafe into uh, the multiverse, into uh, Joker, mm-hmm. year one. Like, it's just, go, 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 here's this, here's this, here's this. And it's like, it's in your face, and you're like, whoa, this is awesome, dude. But it, the Tom King is a lot yeah. slower, and a little more grounded. Like, you, you know what I think part of Gotham it is? I don't, I don't
3: care for Xuronar. Uh, I don't care for any of the Joker stuff. Joker is such a boring character to me. And like the fact that this run is built, but the fact (laughs) that this run is built on Zurinar, the Joker, and this robot that has no emotions, like is why like I don't think it clicks for me. It's because none of that stuff is good. And then Batman's also being unlikable. And so I think it's that it's that combination of everything, it just doesn't work.
2: I I never wanted Batman to be likable. I
3: need I need Bruce I only Bruce to be likable. I need him not to be insufferable,
2: and like <laughs> yeah. let let his
3: family bring out the best in him, and said like it's like. The but that's the opposite gone. of
2: the way that he views things. It's his job to bring out the best in them. At and any, why did we he... all know
3: whatever. Anyway, I'm
2: ready to move on. All right. Well, that is it, actually. Thank you, everybody, for watching. We will be back next week covering all of DC's weekly releases. Same geek time, same geek channel. And that is the show we're going to get out of here, so you'll have to as well. Be careful out there. And remember, in the Geek Matrix, everybody has a home in the Geek Matrix. You are not alone. Peace.